Welcome to the Premier League Forever Forest podcast. Welcome back to the Forever Forest podcast. We took a little bit of a break for one week because our hearts simply could not take it. But we return triumphant. The Reds are staying up in the Premier League. I'm Kieran Curtis. Ryan Freeby can't be with us this week. But alongside me, we have Dan. How are you doing, Dan? Very well. Thank you very much. Much better for being on the beach. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> On the theoretical, on the metaphorical beach, yeah. I, I can't remember ever being able to say as a Forest fan that I was on the beach. This is uh, entirely new as an experience and very refreshing. Uh, also joining me and Dan tonight, we have got Holly Royal. How are we, Holly? I'm great. I'm on the lounger with a cocktail. I'm sunning it up. I'm brilliant. <laughs> How are you doing, mate? You're right. Ah, oh, I am so so good. I had a little bit of a headache with watching the final day. Um, my wife was working, and I thought that's not a problem. My dad's coming up anyway. It'll be nice. We'll go to the pub. We'll watch the game. Uh, from from the luxury of uh, a big uh, chair by a fire with a pint of Guinness, it's going to be a fantastic evening. Uh, got to the pub. They weren't showing the football. They were showing the Smurfs too. Uh, on no. on all the big screens, I. Didn't even know what to say at that point. Um, I think my dad was about ready to lynch me as well because we could have just sat at home and watched it there. Uh, but such is life. We got it on my phone and it's going to be one of those weird little stories that we get to treasure, uh, <laughs> even if it wasn't quite as atmospheric as being in the city ground itself. Um, look, before we get on to uh, events at the city ground, two Big games for the Reds at the weekend. Holly, you made it to both of them in the same day. Uh, the women taking on Watford down, what was it, M- MK Don Stadium MK? Yeah, it was Stadium MK. And yeah, I just, I was gutted that I couldn't go to begin with. Um, and also the fact that I know there would have been, our support would have been huge compared to what, it was great on the day. It was fantastic. But I think we could have, probably sold out another couple of blocks had it not clashed with Arsenal. The amount of people that I saw on Twitter that were really gutted and said that they would go had it not clashed. So um, thankfully, um, well, initially a guy from Twitter said that he was going to try a guy called Tom, shout out to Tom, um, that said, uh, would I like a lift in his car? He was going to drive up from Southampton, try and get to the game and then go on to the city ground. Um, And subsequently, my mate Gareth um, was able to go. So, he drove up from Nottingham, met him at Milton Keynes, and um, yeah, we managed to manage to see the game. Um, oh, absolutely gutted to be honest. Uh, the girls have had such a good season, um, and it's just it's so so heart wrenching, really, that this season you have to go through that with that ridiculous playoff to go up. Next season's actually changed. It's actually changed. So if we win promotion next season. Sorry, if we win the league next season, we'll go up automatically, which is great. But unfortunately, this season we had to have that playoff. And um, yeah, it was heart-wrenching, really. And I think Watford just sort of played us at our own game. Because obviously we played them in the cup. So yeah, it was kind of like revenge. So was it 3-2 to us in the, in the League Cup final? Yeah, after, then, after extra time. Um, I think Watford just took, took notes from that one. 
They did. They were a lot more robust. They were a lot more physical. I'm not going to go into that too much. Um, but there were, yeah, there were some cheeky tackles going on. Uh, and I think the pitch suited them a lot more as well. They, they play in quite an expansive sort of neat at times football um, with their wingers. So I think that kind of that sort of suited them as well. And I think we just ran out of steam a little bit. You know, you know, we created quite a lot of chances, but we just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. The old adage, really. But um for us, um, we left, well, I said to my mate, I said, look, if we look like we're absolutely just not going to score on 86, let's go. Because I knew that there was going to be quite a, a block sort of getting out of the stadium. So 86, we we went and um, got on the M1, bombed it up to the city ground. Um, and it did sort of, I remember thinking, I hope this doesn't set a precedent for the day because you know, I, I came out of the stadium, absolutely, we're both really, really gutted for the girls and um, thought, oh no, is it just going to be one of those days? But thankfully it wasn't. Um, and we had plenty to enjoy um, in NG2. So yeah, a real shame for the girls, but um, I think they're going to go on and, and um, do great things next season. So fingers crossed. Yeah, do you know what? Well, firstly, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident uh, that Andy Cook and the, the team will uh, will come good and hopefully that change does benefit them next season. Um. I felt the other way, though, after the loss, because it kind of just drew a parallel for me off the back of last year, because I went to the FA Youth Cup final um, before we uh, made it to to Wembley. And I just, that one, losing that one just gave me a different feeling. I was like, we're owed something. Uh, It's going to happen. Our luck's changing because we're in these scenarios now. And I can't remember ever there being so many Forest fans motivated to go to an FA Youth Cup final. Um, there's a reason that those games aren't held in major stadiums every season. And yeah. at Forest United, that was never going to be in doubt. It was all good. Um, and lo and behold, as that the rest of that tale unfolded, we did. Karma balanced out. We lost one and we won the other. And while yeah. I'm gutted for the girls, Karma balanced out at the weekend and the lads got over the line. Dan, uh, can you sum up that game? How did you feel going into it, actually, as a starting point? Yeah, um, so usually probably for one that size would have got down the pub, watched it with the other forest lot from around the area. Um, My wife was travelling, actually, so I had both kids and it was a lunchtime kickoff here, half 12, I think. So my daughter was having a nap. So it was was actually quite nice, similar to you. It's like couldn't get to the game, couldn't get down the pub uh, to watch it there. But I ended up watching it at home with my son, who's just turning seven at the moment. And as much as he looked, you know, he's been to Forest games and all of that kind of stuff. Um, he's finally got into the idea. We've talked about the jeopardy, but the idea that we're competing for something like, you know, we watch some US sports and it's like, oh, yeah, they're not doing very well this year. Well, it doesn't matter because they'll just come back next year. But he was asking me all week about. So explain to me again. So if Forest draw, but then what, what, if, what if Everton do this and what if Leeds do that? So he's really kind of getting into it. Um, so it's really nice watching it with him and us scoring and then him going, oh, so if we hold on now it's definitely all fine and then the final whistle goes and everyone comes on and again he's like so so just to be clear we are we are safe now we get another year in the premier league so it's just nice kind of like the two of us watching it but going into it i was i wasn't that nervous i was nervous as soon as we scored because then it kind of felt like it was in our hands and it was you you thought at that point almost we've got too much to lose here because if something does go wrong and we concede or we lose in the last minute it everyone will look back on him. Oh, what might have been if we'd have just held on to that, you know, that three points. But um, but luckily it all went well. And I must say, before we move on, actually, um, I do need to make an apology because I didn't send either of you a card. 
So I'll just I'll just give you my wishes over the um over the call. But um happy Bobby Zamora Day. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you're choosing to celebrate, but you know. I, I have loved that that advert is still like the top line billing on Sky Sports for the playoffs. Every year that gets rolled out and it's it's fantastic. Um, happy Bobby Zamora Day, one and all. Um, yeah, well, so pre-game, I felt eerily calm and I've been saying that I wouldn't rule out a 1-0 to the forest. And when we went 1-0 up as early as we did, I was like, yeah, we could do this. Like, I, I could really see us seeing it out. It's the way that we've, we've played out big games. And the story arc for this season and the narrative, that couldn't have ended any better for us for kind of completing the mission, shall we say. Season one, Premier League, Steve Cooper, season one in the Premier League. Everyone has learned quite a lot. And when that stat came on at half time, it's gutting. You hear Mull of Kintyre like fading out at the start of the second half. And then, of course, Sky decide to flash up that, oh, no team's lost more points from a winning position at half time this season than Nottingham Forest. And guess who's picked up the most points? from a losing position at halftime in the Premier League this season. Of course, it's Arsenal. We have... I don't think we robbed them at all. It is insane that the stats possession was... uh, Well, the possession stats were... What was it? 18%. Lowest in Premier League history for a team that won the game. Steve Cooper, at the end, just puts out his master plan uh, to everyone free of copyright and just uh, says, yeah, the game's changed. Not about possession now. It's about how quick you can break. And he was just like, oh my God, we've got the guy. We have the man. Uh, Everything came together and I'm still not come down from it. Holly, what was it like in the stadium? You know what? It was absolutely buzzing. Um, We were on, we're we're obviously up on the M1 and we're getting texts from our mates that we're meeting up with saying like all the bars in town, everywhere is just absolutely electric. And it felt that as soon as we went through the turnstiles, the sun was absolutely beaming down. Um, It's a cliche, but it just felt like something was going to happen. It just had a wonderful, wonderful, warm, positive feeling about it. And the noise, I mean, I say it every time, but Muller Kintyre, when it drops out and the second verse and everyone sings that that final part was the loudest I've ever heard in my life. It was absolutely incredible. Um, and we didn't stop singing from minute one. I've, I've never known noise like it. It was absolutely insane. Um, we just in- absolutely intimidated them, I thought. I think we were just like, no, no, we're going to win this game and we're going to stay in the Premier League and that's what's going to happen today and nothing is going to stop us. And that's what it felt like. It was, yeah, it was incredible. Um, I, I wish I could just bottle that that atmosphere and that feeling um and just just play it back for the entire summer because it was just just wonderful just really special I'm just so proud that we can create that you know the entire ground not just a block not just lower Bridgeford but all of Trenton or even Brian Clough Upper for God's sake you know full of the grand that's everybody it was just phenomenal so well, it gave me hope. After, after we scored, I thought, do you know what? I think we're going to hang on here. I know it's really early. And of course, that last seven minutes and all that kind of stuff, I, I couldn't watch. But um, it just had an inevitability that we were going to get over the line. You just felt it. It could just, yeah, could just grab it. It was just incredible. So MGW picks the ball up on halfway from a sloppy pass 
at the city ground that wasn't from us uh, for for a change of pace. Uh, breaks down, runs edge of the box. You can see what is shaping up, Dan. I thought when he first played it, he played it too tight to Gabriel and not um, comfortably for Taiwo. Uh, how heart in mouth were you in that moment? Because I couldn't breathe watching that play out. Yeah, that was um, well. Strange thing is though, and I, so I probably wasn't that heart in mouth because it was early enough, and I just had this feeling. I think I said it before the Chelsea game, and I got the prediction horribly wrong. I think it said five five, and it was Holly that said. I think it was Holly. You said two two, right? So, um, I did. The thing is, the last three or four games, I've just been confident we're going to score goals. So it wasn't really a shock that we created a chance. The biggest shock for me against Arsenal was. Every other game we've played at home where we've nicked something, a point or three points, whether it be Liverpool, Man City, West Ham, I feel like we've rode our luck or we've hung on at the end or we've had to really put some crunching challenges in or we've got close to having someone sent off or get VAR a penalty or Warrell pulled someone back. There always seems to be something where you kind of go, yeah, we had a fair share of luck in that. I thought Arsenal were dreadful, absolutely dreadful. I can't think of a chance that they really created um, you can say there might have been a the Jesus one just outside the box where it might have been a free kick or a penalty. It was almost a nothingness game from them. I've never seen a team turn up and just be... If if they put Walsall kits on them, no offence to Walsall or Doncaster kits, and we took it back to a League One game and went, oh, you've just watched that team play out, I wouldn't have spotted their world-class stars a mile away. Yeah. So honestly, I wasn't I wasn't worried because I saw something in them that I thought they were going to get back into it. I just thought this has got a script written on it where we do give something up or we don't take our chance. We did what we needed to do and they just didn't turn up as far as I'm concerned. This is what is head scratching about the whole thing because 18% possession. Watching that, it felt like we had a lot more of the ball. And I just think Cooper's spot on. Like It's quality, not quantity. And now he's finally got it working. Uh, so that we defend pretty resolutely. All right, we're still not perfect. There's still a couple of clumsy moments. Joe, <laughs> lady luck shone on Joe Warrell this weekend pretty significantly. Uh, Dermot Gallagher agrees, so uh, don't come at me, Forest fans. Um, yeah, it, 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 you're right. I think I think things just changed for us um, this week. And those few moments that we had which were largely mgw running the show he had an absolutely blinding performance um just need to convert a few more of those opportunities i think moving forward but that's that's what stood out the highlight reel is forest with 18 percent of, of the possession we were the better team on the day i i don't know what arteta was thinking changing it as much as he did uh with their system because uh, Granted, he doesn't he doesn't have Saliba and a couple of players that were available to him when they absolutely tore as a new one at the Emirates, but he was the one guessing going into that game, whereas Cooper was fielding a comfortable side, a side that was really starting to gel and understand where each other's gonna be. Everything we said that was going wrong at the start of the season, just it's there now and it's come together. It makes me so nervous about this summer because once again, Steve Cooper's got me falling in love with football and actually eager for a new season rather than, uh, you know, deploring the idea of another trudge through the mud for no other reason other than apparently I like self-inflicted pain. Um, it, it's just so overwhelmingly positive. Um, let's let's focus in on the game itself before we go big picture. Taiwo has popped up with some massive goals now this season. 
Holly, what did you make of that that finish at the weekend? And where does it stand in your favourite Iwo goals? Um, well, for me, I remember thinking at the time, just as he was going to pick up the ball, I thought, right, he's going to have to dink it over the keeper here, surely. And then it's somehow, he, he kind of skims the ball, doesn't he? He doesn't actually dink it over, if I remember, because when you look at it's the replay... It's onto him. Yeah. Um, he, he's, he's swinging his boot early enough that things just go right, but yeah. yeah. It was just meant to be, wasn't it? It just wasn't not going to go in. Um, yeah, it was beautiful. Just really, it's just so full of confidence now, isn't he? He's just like, no, that's going in. Um, there's just no way it's not going in. So, yeah, he's just a, a clean finisher now, isn't he? He's exactly what we needed. And you just think, oh, that old adage of, you know, if we'd had him a bit earlier in the season, if he wasn't injured, lots of ifs and buts. But like you were saying, Kieran, you know, you just want it to continue, don't you? You just want next season to start now so you can continue that form and continue that that, that confidence and momentum because you're thinking, well, if it did start again, you know, in uh, in mid June, like how many how many goals could he score? Well, that's the thing. How many goals can he score next season? Now that's the thing. He's going to set a benchmark, isn't he? And that's great for us. It's brilliant. Um, just don't get injured. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, this season, I think out of the goals that I've seen Tywo score, that Arsenal goal is is going to go down for uh, the emotional factor. Um, it's definitely in 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 that the top of that list, but. I don't know. I think my favourite goal that I've seen him score was the second against Southampton. Because I was just so dominant, like on the spin, volley on the turn from pretty much the, um, I think he was a bit closer than the spot, but yeah, in between the spot and the six yard box anyway. That was Taiwo properly announcing himself for me. He's like, I am a Premier League striker. He was getting Didier Drogba comparisons on Sky um, off the back of that goal. And I, that for me is the one that made me go. He's our number nine. There's just no dispute now. He's in the right places at the right time, and even when he gets it wrong, he's getting it right. Uh, I, for me, Taiwo cemented himself on that team sheet. There is no need to go out and pay top dollar for another number nine to challenge him for the the starting place. But again, maybe maybe I'm getting carried away. Dan, where, where, what do you make of Taiwo this year? Uh, so I'm going to start favourite goal. I'm going to go Southampton away just because it was crisp. And I think, again, um, amateur hour, I haven't done my research, but the week before there was an opportunity that Brennan Johnson had similar position on the break, his pace, Ty was about the only other person on the team that can come close to keeping up with him. So he was in the box on the turn. And I think Jono took a shot, didn't score. Ty had a go at him. And then literally, you know, the, the following week or midweek, uh, it played out. And it felt like one, it, if you're going to be the guy that shouts at your teammate and you should have passed it, you've then got to take your opportunity the next yeah, week. Yeah. And he has done similar to your thing of kind of announcing himself. But two, it just felt like we were kind of molding something. I want to say that was probably January time, right? It was our only away win. Uh, remains our only away win. Hopefully it will be one of two by the end of the week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was a really nice crisp goal. And it started showing us as well how we should play this season. Coming to your point about what we do with Tyro next year, my only concern with it, and without jumping onto the pessimistic side already, is Hooper's been very clear that we had to be pragmatic this year. We got an absolute kick in early in the season. We had to change things. We had to move to this style of not going to be possession-based, going to be on the counter, maximise the counter. So is that now us? If it is, I'm fine with it. But we don't want to have an identity crisis where we say, OK, well, we survived the first year. We've now got a full summer. 
right, Steve Cooper wants to go back to playing football his way. And if he does that, what does that mean for how, who in our team does that work for? Who doesn't it work for? Have we got the personnel? You don't want a whole upheaval again. So not really a concern necessarily, but more just a, an intrigue as to whether the signings and the way that we do things over the summer dictate that we say, do you know what? That has to be us for a few seasons. So let's let's do it even better than we've done it this year. Let's do it with 12% possession and another really fast way or whatever it may be. Um, or whether he now tries to bring in some of his ideals that he hasn't had the opportunity to do this year because he's been in the middle of a, let's be fair, an absolute shit show in terms of transfers and and no time last summer. So that's the intrigue for me. I think Tyo fits either way because you always want that number nine. It's really to your point around, do you need another one in case he's injured or you know, are we going to play a different way, which means we can have him on. A bit like Johnson at the moment, you play him in certain games, you don't play him in other games, depending on what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I get what you're saying. He's um, he's definitely fitting the system that we've evolved into. And off the back of people like, um, was it MGW in an interview the other week saying, we're not playing the way that Cooper wants us to play. He's just found a way. Um if you look back at the clubs who've come up and stayed up for a significant amount of time, most of them have done it with a, maybe not off-brand, but certainly less than vintage style. Um, you know, Burnley, spring to mind. Um, Stoke, spring to mind. At least with the style that Cooper's playing, it's, it is still about lethal attacking and... The ball should really be on the floor. Um, it, it, there is an element to it that's got a purity uh, that I, I, I do quite in, enjoy. I, I wouldn't have a problem with us playing like this for a few years um, to move ourselves up the league and not have to panic every single season. Um, given when you look at Leeds, look at Leeds, like when they've tried to play beautiful football, they had one manager that seemed capable of rallying them to do it and the minute he was out of the picture no one's been able to replicate it and that club has got a serious identity crisis now um i i don't want us in that position so if, yeah we're not going to see a lot of the ball but if we're picking up points and still scoring good goals ones that a highlight reel that makes you happy it's not all going to be musa um lobbing one in um I remain convinced, by the way, that Chris Wood will come good next season under that throw-in and a bit of a Gareth Taylor kind of role for us. Like he's not gonna you're not gonna get his name on the back of the shirt, but he's gonna come up with four or five goals across the season that we'll take. They'll probably be big moments for us. How about this? If Chris Wood scores five goals next year, I'll buy your own shirt with Wood on the back. How about that? <laughs> right. Fantastic. Prediction number one in the bag. Uh, I'm gonna have that shirt by Christmas, Dan. Um, I'm not sure what size I'm gonna be, but I'll uh, I'll let you know. We'll have to wait and see how Adidas are cutting them for us. Um, so look, emotional day at the City Ground, and some people showed that emotion more than others. Joe Worrell, firstly, uh, that felt great, Holly, seeing seeing him get that Premier League moment on the pitch. A lot of comparisons to Psycho. Um, over the weekend, I don't know if it if you're quite that level, uh, but it, it, either way, a learning curve of a season for Joe, and he completed it just mm -hmm. like the club. If if there was one player that maybe embodies the season as a whole, 
it's Joe Worrell. Um, did you get to see him uh, in said emotional state or was he uh, back to you at that point? No, he was. It was absolutely lovely at the end when he did, was it about seven or eight fist pumps and chest pumps and, and all that kind of jazz into the lower Bridgeford and A block. I mean, he's just matured, hasn't he? And he's grown and he's just become the leader and the role model that we, we needed this year um, in his resilience. I mean, the absolute battering that he's got. I hope that he, you know, he just turned off his social media after the absolute onslaught that he had. Um, I can't remember after which game it was. Was it the Spurs game when he gave away? The, you know, we got an absolute barrage of abuse, didn't he? He's had a few. Yeah. Um, I mean, that kind of says it that we can't think immediately which game it would be that he got the most shit for. Exactly. I mean, there was one point on Saturday, I think, I can't quite remember what point it was. Maybe it was about 10 minutes to go. And he just looked at all the players and shouted at all them, tapping on his head, keep your heads, concentrate to every single player. Um, in front of him and I just thought yeah that's our leader he knows he knows you know we, we, we've got to hold on to this now we can't lose our heads concentrate can't do a forest we can do this lads and it kind of settled me I thought that's what I want to see from my captain I want to see that from Joe Worrell and um, yeah I, I was really quite emotional especially when I saw the the pictures after with him and Cooper I mean what a picture it just yeah it just paints Everything, doesn't it? Everything that it means to him, everything it means to us. We just we live and be free through him at, at some points, don't we? Um absolutely delighted for him. Delighted. And I hope that he he keeps his place next season and remains captain and um just keeps uh, keeps building because he's a great character and he's um yeah, I love Joe Worrell. Good on him. Yeah, very much good on him. Um another player in tears at the weekend, Renan Lodi. Um Renan, he's another one who's had that full character arc. Like his story has played out in full. He arrived. I saw him. I'm pretty sure I saw his first game, which was City away. And in a game that we lost 6 0, the only real positive that I came out of that game with was oh, he looks all right. He he bombed down the wing a couple of times, looked like he might have headed one in at the back post. And then it went very quiet for quite a while. And a lot of people had it in for Renan Lottie. Didn't think he fit in with the system. Uh, was getting a few accusations of maybe being a bit lazy and off the pace. You wouldn't say that now, would you, Dan? Not that you no, said not. it then, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I remember I remember vividly having those... I can't remember what games it would have been after, but having those conversations about, you know, we've signed a guy who's gone from Lincoln City to Huddersfield to Forest in Harry Toffolo, and we've signed a guy from Atletico Madrid who was on the verge of the Brazil squad. And we were actually having an honest conversation about which one you would start, which says a bit about both of them, right? Um, yeah. In a good and a bad way. Um, but yeah, I think, and I kind of said it in our group chat without kind of killing the whole conversation on this one. You don't usually have that kind of reemergence or that second coming of a player in isolation to anything else. You don't go through a relegation season when you finish bottom of the league and go, wow, didn't that guy start badly and then turn out to be great? It all happens together because it is a team game and these guys can't function and do their job if they're not as a team so it, I was thinking about this the other day it's kind of funny we sat at the beginning of the season everyone because I, I mentioned before Everton neighbour they didn't expect to be in this position they had a squad where they thought at least they would be you know kind of hoping for top 10 but not in a relegation battle we had the we sat at the beginning of the season going bloody hell 20 players 
Cooper's going to have a real job on his hands to gel this team, even though the pundits were saying it. A lot of us were saying it as well. We didn't expect us to run the league, right? We were all saying 17th would be great. And won't it be great if we could get the players all gelling together? We start playing and then everyone kind of forgets about that idea of gelling the team. And it has taken, it's kind of, if you played this out and went, so what's going to happen is we're going to sign 20 players. Everyone's going to think it's not going to gel. It's not going to gel for a while. It'll start getting better. They'll break for the World Cup. They'll sign another eight players. It will drop off again. The new signings won't fit in well. And then it'll all come back and you'll just be okay. And you'll finish 17th. Everyone at the beginning of the season will go, well, yeah, of course that's what's going to happen. How, how would you expect anything else? Like that's, that's what will happen. And it kind of is. So when I see Lottie playing well, when I see the likes of Worrell and maybe we'll come on to Yates of kind of the homegrown ones and Jono, who was taking a bit of stick at the beginning of the season as well, it's taken them the year in the Premier League to learn what they need to do, right? So um, I don't think there's anyone really in the squad that I'd necessarily say, yeah, they've just been a complete bust. Uh, bar, you know, maybe John Joe Shelby. But aside from that, um, I think they've either done what they've been asked to do and eventually figured it out, or unfortunately for some of them, Remo Froiler, for example, very good footballer, doesn't fit the system that Cooper's decided to kind of work with. So I don't think you can really blame anyone. I think they've all tried pretty hard. They all look pretty, you know, uh, comfortable with it in the dressing room and all comfortable with their role. So fair play to them all and fair play to Cooper for getting it all to work. Yeah, I... <sighs> You make an interesting point there with just the sheer number of players that you've mentioned who each seem to have had these moments that were about them in isolation. Um, but they have literally all come through it and they've all done it together. Um, how the hell are we going to actually pick a, a player of the season? I don't know. There's a lot of good cases to be made for quite a few people in that squad. What was interesting at the weekend was Brennan dropped again and um, and us being okay. It's really not a bad option to have on the bench, is it? Brennan Johnson with half an hour left in the game and him full uh, at top speed, maybe taking on some defenders that are a little bit more tired and leggy. Um, yeah, really intrigued to see how that develops um, over the summer. Firstly, want to make sure we keep him. I'm sure there will be some speculative bids in from uh, certain clubs. Um, we don't know what goes on in all the back rooms in football after all, I guess. Uh, but hopefully we do keep him and all will be well. Uh, Morgan Gibbs-White, though, is the guy who's been getting most of the plaudits. Uh, Jamie Carragher's named him his signing of the season. I think I'm, I'm getting that right. I'm pretty sure it was on uh, on Twitter, that on Sky Sports. Uh Tell, tell me about Gibbs White in that game, Holly. He absolutely played out of his skin. And it's a good job he said the thing that he likes most is getting assists more so than goals, because that is all he left the game with. Um, what, a, what a little general he was for us at the weekend. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, the fitness on that guy. I mean, we've all seen the clip where he does that mazy little run um doesn't come to anything but then he as soon as the ball leaves his foot he's back running back doing his defensive duties which he's had to do a lot this season I think at times which kind of goes against the grain with him and may have stifled him a little bit at times but in the last couple of games he's been what will go on to be described as prime Gibbs White I think you know just unleashing that turn of pace and that He's got a very unique kind of way he holds his body with the ball as well. It's just everything about him is very special and very different and very niche. And 
um, his link-up play with Johnson as well, although obviously Johnson wasn't there, you know, until, what was it, 70, 80 minutes? I can't remember what time he came on, but um, yeah, fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. And the reception he got at the end as well, the reception we gave him, um, absolutely thoroughly deserved. And the fact that it completely winds up the Wolves fans as well is brilliant. <laughs> He's so, one of those players that just needs some love, isn't he? Absolutely. I, I think absolutely. it gets I think it gets the best out of him when he's running off those vibes. And I think our fans are more than happy to have a hero, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's why he's a he's a classic Cooper player that Cooper when he builds I mean, he's got a great relationship with all his players, you know, that comes across in leaps and bounds, doesn't it, all the time. But I think with Gibbs White he has a special relationship, obviously, that he's built up through playing in the um the under seventeens. Um Let's not forget he wanted to play for Cooper. Cooper wanted him, and they've got that relationship together. And um, you know, it just shows when you when you feel loved and you want to be somewhere, you thrive. And it's just plain to see, isn't it, on that pitch? So, and the fact we've got more of it to come, and we will have more of it to come next season, which I'm so excited about. You know, um, to have big Gibbs White, all cylinders. You know, second full um, season in the Prem. Who's going to be around him? It's yeah, it's mouthwatering, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and that moves us on quite nicely to the excitement of summer. Uh, the kit leaks, or at least the uh, kit photoshops, are starting to make their way onto uh, onto social now. Um, really excited to have Adidas back, to be honest. But have you have you guys had a look at any of the kits that they've been making elsewhere? Very templatey is all I'm gonna say. There was that horrible white one. I don't know what was going on with that one, but it was just Was that the the mocked up one? It's basically Bayern's home kit, isn't it? Yeah, not a fan, but I'm sure yeah. it's not gonna be anything like that. Yeah. I oh I saw the Arsenal one. So I so I, I worked with it's been a great week because I worked with an Arsenal fan on my desk, there's a Leeds fan on the desk next to us, and there's an Everton fan uh, that has to have a lot of meetings with us. Um so the Arsenal fan was getting daggers. Uh, all of Monday and Tuesday. Meanwhile, I was just sat there smug as fuck. Um, yeah, it's been fun. Uh, but I had a look at the Arsenal kit, and they've uh, Adidas have given them gold uh, piping for the three stripes, which I am. Um, I was like, oh, this was designed a bit early, wasn't it, lads? Uh, I've been reliably informed that actually it's because they uh, are celebrating twenty years since the Invincibles. What a way to celebrate, lads. Um. <laughs> Anyway, let's uh, let's say we milk it with the European Cups, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're not hypothetical. Uh, <laughs> um, looking ahead to the summer, then let's play a bit of football manager. Uh, Big E, as I'm going to call him now. Uh, he's uh, I, I'm I'm warming up even more to to Maranakis. That that hug was a sight to behold, and you could just feel the warmth oozing out of the man. Uh, but yeah, Big E. Let's pretend he's got a, a blank checkbook. You guys can spend what you like. Tell me, what are the areas that we need to strengthen and who will be your marquee signing this summer if you could just bring in anyone? Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's an interesting one anyway. I think, honestly... I, I Actually, I preface this with, I saw a Luton fan talking about them saying, signing James Ward-Prowse if they come up. Yeah, um, that's... <laughs> I, I'm going to assume for the purpose of this that we're going to continue to play a certain style that we we are playing yeah. now. And the boring thing to say is that means I think, and I, I can't take credit for this, but on a group chat thread somewhere, I think 
with Jono, Danilo and Nico Williams now qualifying as old enough for the 25-man squad, I think we've got 41 players for our 25-man squad. We say this every year, I get bored of saying it, but we've got to get rid of, I'm doing this, the air quotes, the dead wood. Um, oh, you're doing scissors, got, then, mate. Yeah, uh, we've got to cut off the uh, the uh, the dead wood. Um, but without being boring about it, but also kind of being boring about it, first signing for me has to be Dean Henderson. Um, I think he gets the club. I think he is the right kind of person to have, despite you know the issues that apparently there were at Manchester United and anything else around that. I think Cooper obviously likes him. I think we saw how good he is by the very fact that we brought in one of the best keepers in the world and they didn't seem to be that much better than him. Um, I'll leave it at that as a comment because, you you know, I think it's a it's a hard job being a goalkeeper, but it's not. I think a lot of people were going, oh, wow, we had Henderson, but now we've got Kaylor Navas. This is going to be a step up. And I think what it proves is if we can get Dean Henderson at a decent price, that is the best place to start in terms of shoring up that back line. I don't really know of anyone else we could bring in keeper-wise for a, a decent fee that would give me the confidence to to have them in his place. So Hendo for me, and it's probably about sorting out the wing backs. I the only player I didn't see on Sunday is Omar Richards. So elephant in the room, where the hell is he? Yeah. Yeah, I I, I someone asked me about Omar Richards the other day. I was like, I literally can't tell you anything. I can't tell you whether he'll be here. I can't tell you whether he won't be. I can't tell you whether he's part of Cooper's plans. I can't tell you whether we'll get any money for him. Um, yeah, just a very, very odd situation going on there now. Yeah. Um, if he's going to stay and he's and he's fit and he's got a pre-season in him and we've got Harry Toffolo, you've got to start thinking we're probably not going to spend what will probably be some of a limited budget, given FFP, on bringing Ren and Lodi in. But maybe, with I don't know, because I would have put Lodi down as someone to go and get. But if we've got Omar Richards and we've spent 20 million on him or 15 or whatever, we've got Harry Toffolo, I'm not sure we have that luxury. But you said uh, a decent price for Dean Henderson. So what's a decent price for Dean Henderson? Oh, I was having this argument with someone. It's all relative to what you're going to do with the money or where the money's coming from and everything else, if you know what I mean. It's like, it's United, like saying, United have a track record, though, for underselling players just to get rid. Yeah, and and he doesn't want to be there, right? So yeah. it's, it's almost how much do you want to... It's probably the position, again, this might sound a bit naive and I might get panned for it, it's probably the one position where you can afford to hold out for a while. And I don't mean that's because you want to start the season without a goalkeeper, but you can kind of bring them in late. And my concern is that you end up just overpaying because you need to get him in tomorrow and you don't want him going elsewhere um, versus waiting until later in the window where man, you clearly know he doesn't want to be there and they haven't had a better offer. But I think he'll be in, I think he'll be in high demand. I, I think he's done well when he went, did well at Sheffield United. So I'd just pay the money. I don't, I'm, I'm no uh, expert on what value for money is with footballers because it's kind of like, well, where do you even begin? I've heard numbers between 20 and 30 million. And to be honest, given what we've paid for some other players, sure, why not? I don't even know. <laughs> it's like asking asking someone how much they're going to pay for a house and you don't know how much they've got in the bank. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know what we've got to spend. Um, That's it. But this is Biggie's magic checkbook, mate. So all right, you, yeah, you yeah, throw it at him. But what what I would um what I would say with that anyway is with Henderson, I agree with you. If we're going to go for him, let's get it done and not get dragged out like the James Garner situation, which then threw out other plans. Like if he's the one we want, we'll we'll probably go do it. And the board have been pretty good at that. I'd I'd hope they have a similar approach to what they did with the Morgan Gibbs White deal, which is 
will pay the lower end of what you actually want. And then when certain things happen, uh, then we'll top, top that up. So if he's getting England call-ups and we're definitely safe, that kind of thing. Um, maybe just, um, just turning the tables on you one second, sorry to say, but on the keeper stuff. Yeah. Let's say Everton go down this weekend and Jordan, Jordan Henderson's 30 million. Have you got any interest in Jordan Pickford? I so Henderson, this, is what, this is what makes me worry because I think I think if Everton stay up, Pickford stays there, and if Everton go down, Pickford's probably at Spurs next year. I I, I don't know. Everton might convince him to stay and, and do the whole Stuart Pearce, Steve Stone thing of give us one year, give us one year, and let us try and get back. Probably won't hurt your international chances. Uh, to be away for one year. Um, and maybe they could convince him on that. But I, I just have a feeling that if they stay up, Henderson is going to start looking mighty attractive to Spurs. I think he'd be a pretty yeah, a pretty good option for them. And they know he's um, familiar with a big club setting um, or a bigger club setting, shall we say. But I really hope we do get him back. If nothing else, it'd be great to have another player with a vested interest in beating Sheffield United. Um, so I'm really keen to keep him. Um, Holly... Not think I'm supposed might go in for Navas, maybe. Apparently uh, yeah, PSG want to sell him, don't they? I think it'd be a mistake if they did. Um, but they're welcome. Mm. I'd, I'd... I don't know who said this to me uh, the other day, but someone was talking about Navas has got a lot of links to go back to Spain and finish up there. Um, I've not seen any, so I don't know if that's actually true or not. Uh, or... How old is he now? Is he is it 36, 37? 35, 36. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's definitely, even by goalkeeping standards, he's heading to the twilight days, especially for the type of keeper he is, because he's only going to lose athleticism. Um, he's not, you know, just a big lump that can occupy most of the space between the sticks. Um, it'll be interesting. Say, I thought he was phenomenal on Saturday. I haven't been Kayla Navas's biggest fan, I have to say, and I have said it on this podcast before, but I thought he was immense on Saturday. So big up, Kayla. He didn't have a lot to do. He didn't um, really, did it? Let's be fair. <laughs> yeah. But what he, what he did have to do, he did. Um, Holly, who's top of your list then? for what we need in the summer? Oh, well, absolute never going to happen. Dream signings. Maybe Steve Cooper getting the old group back together from back in the day. You know, Phil Foden, Emil Smith-Rowe, <laughs> Sancho, you know, possibly. Arsenal we fans think, a few Arsenal fans think Smith-Rowe's on the way out. Really? Yeah, mm. I've, I've heard that a couple of times. And again, could be absolutely nothing. Uh it, it could be typical Arsenal fan TV, people just having a chip on their shoulder so they can shout about something. Um, <laughs> but they, a lot of them weren't impressed with how he looks after himself. Um, right. Touch of the Luke Shaws, apparently. He's on the Amazon series at one point and his mom's away um, and so is his cook. So he gets called out because he just ordered Nando's rather than having something healthy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> imagine like, oh, my cook's away. Yeah, yeah, I know. Imagine <laughs> having that look. They know you're born, mate. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, he, he could be an option. You never know. Well, stranger things have happened, haven't they? Um, 
I was also thinking about who we could raid from Leeds and Leicester if they go down as well. Whether you'd have like the likes of Harley, um, what's it? Is it Harvey Barnes? Is it Harvey Barnes? Um, I know people are talking about <laughs> one that made me laugh the other day was, um, oh, let's get Patrick Bamford back home. You know, like really? Uh, he's, he's from what Leeds fans have told me, he's just perennially injured. Um, yeah, and. <laughs> I also, after the way it went in the Leeds Forest game this season, seemed a bit prickly at the club. Actually, mm, uh, I don't absolutely. know. I don't think. I don't think he'd be coming back. No. Uh, Harvey Barnes is an interesting one. I think I saw something today that's more forwarded me that Villa might be interested. But it can't. It can't I know we're talking magic checkbook here, but again, people thought we overpaid for Morgan Gibbs White, and probably at the time you could say. We didn't literally overpay, but we took a risk. You'd not really played mm. in the Premier League. You're playing for a player that's not proven at the top level. Yeah. But within the club, they obviously didn't see it as a bigger risk because Cooper knew him and everything else. When you look at Harvey Barnes, I think there's talk of like 50 million. If you're in a relegated team, and yes, you're one of the better players, but people are going to pay 50 million for us. We got absolutely lambasted for spending, I think, what wasn't too far above 100 on <laughs> best part of 30 players by the time we were done. Mm-hmm. Um, when you really break down the fees, there's no way that we can compete with that. And it just shows you again the kind of the levels in the league potentially where unless you're selling Brennan Johnson for 90 million or something stupid, you've kind of got to cut your... We, we're yeah. one of the... Like, we've got Maranakis and everyone loves him compared to our previous owners for the way that he spent money. But we're not one of the rich clubs by a long way. Um, and I think we're going to have to be really careful that you know, again, it's kind of like picking those gems out that we've managed to previously um, and only, again, air quotes, spending 10, 15, 20 million on a couple of top level players um, that we can get something out of like Tyo and others that we've done last year. I mean, yeah, you have got to be really careful. Look at look at the way Leicester have gone. They were in the Champions League and winning the league not so far uh, in, in the past. Wolves, whether this is a chess game between Lopteggi and the board or not, I'm pretty sure Price of Football have talked about them not being um, worth quite as much as the Chinese ownership thought they would be uh, in terms of uh, marketing deals that they could cut off the field. They were in the Europa League. Uh, what, was that pandemic year that they were in there? They were in Europe. The, the only way we could ever maintain that kind of spending is to rapidly climb and stay in that kind of competition on a really uh, stable basis, um, which, let's be honest, it's just not going to happen, is it? <laughs> it's, and it's not. And it pains me to say it, but because um, I don't dislike both of them, but the only people that are really doing it and doing well out of it are probably Brighton and Brentford. Mm. Um, and you taught like Southampton a few years back when they basically sold the whole squad to Liverpool for about a billion yeah. Uh, and then went and rebuilt, but that only lasts so long. But Brighton and Brentford seem to be doing it consistently. But they have the, especially Brighton, they have the formula whereby they've got the right manager. And I think if you heard Pep talking about him the other day, he's obviously well regarded. They sell their players to stupid clubs for a lot of money, like Chelsea and others. Um, and they've also got the backroom setup that's just spot on. So I just hope that we, with the new guy that's coming from Rangers and a few other moves and shakes, that not only does this give us another summer to build the on-field team, we basically had to rebuild the backfield, the backfield yeah. team in like four weeks last summer. We had a lot of churn this year, so I'm just hoping that this summer gives us a chance to like build that side, so that 
we're not in that bracket of oh god we've got to spend 100 million to try and get into the top 12 it's more like we're doing it differently to how everyone else is doing it we're going to buy these players you know Danilo as an example um, and we're going to do more of that and people are going to look up to us and get really kind of concerned of going oh how can these guys do that on a small budget how are they consistently performing out of the league so I've turned your magic checkbook on its head and basically said we need <laughs> we need a, a small checkbook that keeps us disciplined, I think. Maybe that's the magic of it. It's not Tom Bowley's checkbook, though, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, right, we'll, uh, we're heading into the final weekend of the season. We're going to do it angst-free. It's just going to be an enjoyable day at Crystal Palace. Um do you reckon we're going to be properly on the beach or do you reckon we're going uh, into that game set up and ready for a win? I think that Cooper will want to finish strongly with as many points as he can, to have that on his CV. I kept Forrest up. We were, I mean, what what's the highest we can finish now? 15th. So we can basically go ahead of Bournemouth, I think. I haven't got the league right. table in front of me, but we're 16th. And I think we can finish 17th if people below us all win. Um, or maybe we can't now. No, it's 16th or 15th. Yeah, we can't We can't finish any lower now. And uh, it's about, I think it's about three and a half million prize money different, something like yeah. that. So it's not to be sniffed at, but it's not like, you know, life-changing either for a football club. No, it might make the difference to the ticket prices though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can we can hope. Um, uh, I, 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 I'm not even going to, quantify anything I, I Cooper's going to do what he's going to do with the team this weekend the lads are going to do what they're going to do but we'll be in the Premier League next year and because there's kind of that nothingness to this game I wanted to ask a question about what your favorite final day memories have been historically um you're both looking away as, as I've asked that question so who do I go to first spin the dial Holly favorite final day memory or close of season memory. Arsenal wasn't a final game, really. It was final home game. Um, I'm going to pick something different because I'll give you guys a chance to pick this. But this is a completely curveball. But it's something that just springs to mind. It wasn't last game of the, the season, but I think it was around about 2010, 2011. It was one of the Billy Davis, I think, um, playoff seasons. And we beat Scunthorpe 5-1 at home. It was a glorious day. I took my mum to one of the rare games that I've been to with my mum. She can't really go anymore because she's got bad arthritis, but we were sat in Brian Clough. And it was when I never enjoyed the gold music, <laughs> Chelsea Dagger, when we used to play it. But I remember uh, doing that with my with my mum, singing along to Chelsea Dagger five times. And she was loving it. I was loving it. And uh, yeah, that was a great end of season memory. But obviously there's which I'm sure you guys might have mentioned about the Yeovil and that kind of thing and, and, and stuff like that. But for me, that was one that sprang to mind. Do you know what? As we were saying, because we were talking about this, weren't we, just before we came on? And um, we haven't really had many, have we, really? There's not that many yeah. that really, in recent times that really spring to mind. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a lot to call on in recent memory. I've got the promotion from Division One back to the Premier League. Because actually, I was thinking about it. I I came into supporting Forest in our last European season, so it was the Frank Clark um UEFA Cup year, um and so I've seen us stay up in the Premier League twice now, and I've seen us get relegated from the Premier League twice. Uh, so my average is really improving. 
and I'm hoping it, it continues to uh, to move into the black. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have all that many heart in mouth, everything's riding on this final days. And on that basis, you know, I, I don't think I was as close to this game as I could have been um, at the weekend. It was great watching it um, with, with my dad huddled around a phone, but the Yeovil League One scraping into uh, the automatic promotion bracket, um, getting the updates of Cheltenham versus Doncaster through mm. in the stands, hugging every single random around me. That was my first real taste of that kind of experience um, that I could remember properly. So that one's always going to be my favourite um, final day. Just the Julian Bennett tackle, when that doesn't get blown up, and I, I think in any other league other than League One, it probably would have done. It was pretty crunching. Um, and the finish, when a left-back's making that tackle and immediately getting up to receive a one-two and then ping one in off the outside of his left boot, just doesn't get much better. And I, I don't think I have surpassed that. Uh, what, what gets your nod, Dan? So it's funny, and I'm, I, I know I've mentioned this at least twice with Freebs, but I don't know if either of you were on, but for that one, I was actually at Cheltenham. So I'd been to the Cheltenham game. I'd been to Cheltenham that season. I was living down just west of Reading at the time. Um, so it's a bit closer to than going up to Nottingham. And I don't th- I can't remember the reason. I don't think it was necessarily the sellout, but I couldn't get a ticket to Forest. I couldn't get up there. I was a poor student. Um, and I've been to see us beat Cheltenham. I think we beat them 3-0 um, in the league. And it's kind of cool little quaint ground. And I thought, you know what? We need the that result to go the other way. I'll pop back. So I'll pop back and sat in the Cheltenham end. So <laughs> Um, so that was fun. Um, but the the other one that springs to mind, again, it was the last home day rather than last actual game of the season. But it was the uh, Chris Bart Williams goal against Reading. So I think if we beat Reading, then we guaranteed promotion back to the Premier League in 97 or whenever it was. Um, that was great. And also it was a really good season that season. I have a lot of good memories of that under um, Bassett. Um, I think it was that season, right? Got them the right yeah. way around. Um, yeah, Harry Bassett, a, the big speakers on the side of the pitch. Yeah, and just like I just remember the start of that season, it was a really balmy summer that went on quite a while, and there was a lot of night games at the beginning. I think we got picked for Sky quite a bit, and we played QPR at night, we played Norwich at night, and those those were teams that were potentially in and around us, and we hammered them. We there was like three nils, four nils. I think we'd be Burnley by quite a few, maybe that year. I can't quite remember. But all I remember that season is Pierre Van Hooydonk free kicks and us winning games. Basically, that was it. Um, so that was like the culmination of the end of it with that for us to to go up. But that was probably, up until now, the last true feel-good season that I can remember with Forrest up until the last, you know, 18 months under Cooper. Um, a true kind of, no poli- well, not no politics, but just enjoying us just winning games. And it's almost never well in doubt. Games. Yeah, from the game, like game three, I think we won a number of our first games. And then it was kind of like, every, I, I, I'm going slightly off topic here, but I can ne- not even with Stuart Pierce do I remember sitting there as a kid, basically knowing that if we got a free kick on the edge of the area, Van Hooydonk was going to score it. Yeah. It, it. That wasn't in doubt. It was just this bizarre equation where it was like, well, this is obviously a goal because it's a free kick and Pierce. I don't know if that's because I was only a kid, but I, he probably only scored four of them. I don't know, but it felt like he was scoring three a week. Um, I, get, I know, I know what you mean when you when you recall it like that because I always remember the Gareth Taylor like when we stayed up under Kinnear by the skin of our teeth. I think Gareth Taylor scored maybe two, three headers um, 
at the death and games. It might not even been, it might have been one, but in my mind, he was doing that. He saved us that year, like week on week. He He's what dragged us over the line. And you're absolutely right with Pierre, those three kicks. They, they also weren't always on the edge of the box. I think it was Middlesbrough and that was the really big game actually at one point that season. It was basically a shootout between us and them um, for the league title. And Pierre van Hoydonk just whipped one of those free kicks out um, in the home game against them. It was an, it, I think that was an early kickoff as well. But that, that was, yeah, one of the most vivid memories. And I, I, I'm in the same boat, Dan. That season's the one that I treasure, treasure as a whole. Um, you know, back in my season ticket holder days uh, versus now. I, I feel a little bit further removed from it now at the minute. Um, but I don't know. The community vibe is definitely uh, stronger than it's than it's ever been. Um do you reckon it'd be a proper party at Palace to rival any of those final days, Holly? Or uh, are we just going to coast over the line? I was going to just do a quick shout, actually, for it doesn't quite count, but when we stayed up on goal difference um, against Ipswich, because I think that's really formulated the way that our fate really has gone in recent years. Because had we gone down to League One at that point, I think it would have been, it could have been curtains really. Um, I think staying up then was just absolute lifeline for Forrest. Um, although obviously it was, wasn't was necessarily a positive thing, staying up in the championship on goal difference. But, um, you know, the likes of the Chris Cohen goal and the Jordan Smith save and all that kind of day. It was a fantastic day in itself and some mm. longer penalties and stuff um, for what it was. Um yeah, I think Sunday is going to be great. Uh, I think everyone is the sun's going to be shining again. I think it's going to be pure party atmosphere, and um, no, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think there's a lot of um, respect and love between the two clubs. One of my good friends, Karen, she's a big Palace fan, and she's she's in the um, in the home end on on Sunday. Um, I'm going to meet up with her for a couple of drinks as well. And um, we were just saying that today. You know, we're both big clubs, traditional, big respect for each other. Um, she was delighted, as I know a lot of people were when we we came up and really, really wanted us to stay up. So she's delighted that we're both going into this game and um, there's nothing really to play for. But, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great final final day of the season. And, um, yeah, big party atmosphere, I think. And I'm really looking forward right to it. And, um, of course, I want to win. Of course, I want to go out on high. But, you know, we shall see. Refocus there following our little trip down memory lane. Um, final day predictions then. Firstly, give me a score for Forest Palace, not that it really matters. Uh, and then I want to know who is going down. So, Dan, let's start with you, mate. Oh, I'm going to, for no other reason than it brings back memories of uh, McGoldrick and Majewski scoring big goals away at Selhurst Park. I'm going to go Forest to win 3-1 on the last day away from home because I think we'll put a strong team out because as, as Holly said, I think Cooper will you know, want to do the right thing as well and win the game for pro till the end. But I think we'll play with slightly less pressure and I think it might open things up and maybe, you know, people might have a shot from where they weren't going to have one or whatever. So I'm going to be positive and say three, one, and I'm going to say Gibbs White is going to get a couple if he, if he plays um, and relegation wise, um, I think Leeds are done, and it's really between Leicester and Everton. And being as my good friends an Everton fan, and Leicester are just down the road. I'm gonna say Everton to stay up, and then they're gonna get penalised for FFP next year and get relegated. <laughs> yeah, sounds about <laughs> right. Uh, Holly, 
What what are you saying? Um, I'm gonna go for two one to Forest. I think we'll nick it at the end. Um, possibly a cameo for um the ginger pillow. I'm Jack not. I'm not in the country. Sorry. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'd no, love I, to. I'd love to. Um, yeah, I reckon we're going to nick it two one. And um, in terms of who's going down, I I think Leicester and Leeds. And I well, I hope that it's going to be Leicester. Definitely, I'm not a fan of Leicester. Um, I want them to suffer and um, <laughs> get them down. I'm not going <laughs> to argue with that. I, I'm going to go with a thoroughly ambitious 2-2 draw. Um, I just think it's going to be a respectful uh, and fairly open, lackadaisical football match. Um, as far as the relegation battle goes, I'm, I'm going to try and not be biased here either. With So my mum and her fella, their season ticket holders at uh, Everton, um, it's it's definitely been a painful year uh, as as it's played out for them. I think they're going to get over the line. I reckon they probably beat Bournemouth, and it means that all bets are off from that point on. And it really doesn't matter what Leicester or Leeds do; um, they're gonna they're gonna drop out. As far as Leeds go, I think it's fairly uh, karmic. You cannot be that in love with Marcelo Bielsa and then immediately flip to loving Big Sam and giving it the bigger that you're going to stay up. If that's how you go, you get what you deserve. Um, And Leicester, oh dear, I think it's going to be bad for them. But hey-ho, we're the pride of the East Midlands again. Uh, We're not going to have to really hear much about winning a Premier League title for a few minutes. Um, Maybe if we get them in the FA Cup, it'll pop up on the timeline. Uh, But... We don't have to indulge in that debate anymore. Not not for too much longer, anyway. Um, famous last words. Obviously, it's going to go completely on its head. Uh, it could be one of those days. Do you remember the West Brom uh, survival bid? Brian Robson was that United where they pulled that off? I'm trying to think because it was Kim. There was a couple of old United players there, right? Kim, oh, say Kim Richardson. Yeah, it would have been at home. It had to be at home. Yeah, I think it was those pictures home. on the field lifting Brian Robson up, weren't there? Yeah, that was quite spectacular. All I hope for from the weekend is that it's as painful as possible for everyone involved, regardless of who comes out the other side. I just, because we're not in it, it's like once you've learned to drive, you just kind of get right up the arse of learner drives and you're like, well, I have to deal with this. So um, I just want it, I just want there to be, I don't want Everton to be winning 4 0 at half time, put it that way. I'd love there to be going into the last five minutes, Everton 1 0 up. Leicester winning, you know, just a situation where one goal changes absolutely everything. That would be fantastic. So um, I think I'll probably tune into those games over the Forest game, if I'm honest. I don't know if that makes me a, a bad supporter, but I, I prefer other people's misery to my own success. You know what, Dan? I was thinking about this earlier. I'm going to the game on Sunday and I thought, you know, what? I'm a bit gutted that I can't sit with Sky Sports News on actually watching all the permutations as they come in, you know, and all that kind of drama, knowing that we're absolutely safe, which I love, so... Yeah, you have to go old school, mate. Get a handheld radio out. FM radio. <laughs> shout shout out to Emily, who I usually go with. Her dad, uh, Gerald, who we sit with, still has his earpiece in during the game. And when we're like, "What's happening?" He's like, "They've just said there's three minutes injury time." Like, <laughs> that's what you need. Uh, ear, FM earpiece all the way. Old Bring school. 
You can rely on analog. Uh, right, we're going to be back one more time, I think, before uh, the season is properly out. Probably do some uh, awards for the season. Keep an eye out on Twitter. We might be asking some questions on there. But until the next time, you Premier League Reds. Hey!